Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 6, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the forward to the second edition, page XVII, the second paragraph. Today's readers are on the 12 steps, Stacy K., the 12 traditions, Anita L., the readers of the text, Lisa H., Deanna B., and Martha Z. The reference number for Monday, December 5th, is 9319. That's 9319. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, their share, who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Stacy Kay to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Stacy Kay in Colorado. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Okay, thank you, Stacy. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XVII, paragraph two. I will ask Lisa H. to begin reading, and she'll be reading two paragraphs, and we'll focus our comments on that third paragraph. It was now time. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, This is Lisa H., recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. A second small group promptly took shape in New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland. Besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic ideas in Akron or New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. It was now time, the struggling group thought, to place their message and unique experience before the world. This determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. The membership had then reached about 100 men and women. The fledgling society, which had been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous. 
from the title of its own book. The flying blind period ended and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. Again, this is Lisa, um, grateful recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And this, this paragraph um, just creates excitement, I think, in me and to imagine how these men must have felt um, to have published this book, you know, 1939, um, and, then, and then to actually have a name, to begin to be called Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it says they entered, entered a new phase. Um, I love the word new. Um, the, gift, the gift for me today is that after all these years, this book, this, this little chip of a book, continues to teach and guide and to help us to recover um, if, if we follow the instructions. Um, that, that word new, like I said, I love it because every day is a new day. Um, every day I have an opportunity to, um, to change and to grow um, and, and to carry God's will into all my activities. Um, and this is a blessing um, for me. And I am, I'm truly grateful uh, for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Lisa, who would like to share on this, uh, the second paragraph that was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Larry. Tina S. Harlan G. Paula D. Okay, let me just stop there. I have Bella G, Larry K, Tina S, Harlan G, and Paula D. Anybody else want to jump in before I... Um, Nessa R. Okay, let's go with those um, six. Bella G, followed by Larry K. Good morning. Thank you, Katie. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a positive and full with hope, this message. And to me, this morning that came up is a unique experience. And yes, this is the program. The program is not about being a teacher and student, that the teacher knows everything, and the teacher now is going to teach the students. It's not a, about relationship between a therapist and patient or doctors and patient, that the patient is coming here with a problem, and here the therapist and the doctor that knows and experience, he will... He will help this patient. It's a program of experience. Yes, we all, even though we are different, we, de- we live in different places, we are from different societies, we are different age, we are different. And I don't know everybody that is in the program, and not everybody knows me, even though we are sharing our own experience. And... The own experience is the suffering of this disease and the hope. And we all have the same hope, the same hope, the same 12 steps. And the main thing of this program is to be connected to a loving and accepting higher power. And yes, this higher power is perfect. And the higher power is the only 
the only power that is perfect, and we are here all to share our own experience. And it's wonderful, it's a wonderful feeling that it's not a competition and it's, a, it's not jealousy. It's a program that we teach and learn at the same time. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, Bella. Okay, um, now we will have Larry Kay followed by Tina S. Katie, thank you for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. You know, a, a new light had entered the world of the alcoholic. So, we, boy, flying blind, that flying blind period ended. It's amazing, amazing. These gutter drunks were getting better. Their, their lives were being restored to sanity. You know, I've heard it said that one of the definitions of a madman, which was me, um, is someone who's reasoning correctly from an erroneous premise. I was reasoning correctly, but I was, I was coming from an erroneous premise. And, you know, this, the spiritual awakening that was available to these people uh, back in, in these pioneers back in the 1930s and when this book was published in, in 1939 is still available. Here we are in December of 2016. The thing is, we're not necessarily receiving the solution in the rooms today, and that's, that's sad, but, but you know, we're, we're, we're trying to carry the message here. You know, if lack of power was our dilemma, then gaining access to that power is our solution. And, and how is that? Well, we do what they did. We follow the steps precisely, and in our case, laid out in the, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that produces an essential psychic shift so that the obsession of the mind identified in the doctor's opinion, will be driven out. It will be eradicated. And I think in, in, in a way, over time, we've invented an imaginary world where putting down your substance and dieting and holding your breath and white-knuckled abstinence is the goal. It's as good as it's going to get. And we've been hoodwinked into thinking this is as good as it gets. And, and you know what? It's wrong. It's not a little wrong. It's dead wrong. You know, with the complete psychic change, a spiritual transformation, you will no longer want to eat, and you'll no longer want to eat, um, as we've heard it said on this line, happily, peacefully, without judgment. And, and it just comes. That's the miracle of it. It's not nirvana. It's just what happens when we shift from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence through these steps. If we follow them properly, it results in an inward restructuring where we no longer think, feel, and act the way we used to. We're reborn. There's no hocus pocus, no pixie dust, no secret handshake, just a fundamental shift from I'm the boss to God's the boss. And, and God, you know, wrapping up, God was hidden in the most unlikely place for me. I searched everywhere. I couldn't find this God. And then the steps showed me where God was hiding. And God was hiding in my heart. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Um, okay, next we'll have Tina S. followed by Harlan G. Thanks, Katie. Tina S., compulsive reader, anorexic in Florida. Really great stuff this morning. Thanks. Uh, it says it was time. It was now time, you know, to to place their message. And what's the message? You know, it's the information that we have. Being well informed, you know, we give the message of the problem and the solution. You know, before the world, you know, it was it. 
I can't, you know, get over that it was just divinely inspired and it was just on time, you know. This determination they talked about, you know, the, the purpose for fruit. You know, we were planting the seeds now. And, uh, and the fledging society, you know, I love that this was the, the young society. They were young and, then, and they were on a mission. You know, they were on a mission and to, to carry this message to those that still suffered. You know, and that's kind of what I what I, I go back to my main purpose today. That is what I do. That is what I attempt to do. You know, and a lot of times, you know, in order to save myself, you know, I am not virtuous by any means. But you know, that's what I do today, and and I am so grateful that this was founded for us. You know, that over the years that this has become what has carried us to a new level. You know, and I, and I like that it talks about they entered a new phase of its pioneering time. You know, there were new ideas and new, new, method, new methods so that we could recover and be recovered one day at a time. If we do the deal, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Harlan G., you're up, followed by um, Paula D. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for your service. Harlan G. from Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. From 1935 until the publication in April of this book, it was a very, very kind of loosey-goosey situation. One guy would have some great ideas, and he would show some promise and show some sobriety, so everybody would follow him. And then another person would come in, and they'd follow him for a while. They had the four absolutes of the Oxford group. They had absolute honesty, absolute purity, absolute unselfishness, absolute love. These drunks were having trouble staying anything but absolutely drunk. They had the six steps of the Oxford group movement, such as it was at that time. Complete deflation, dependence and guidance from a higher power, moral inventory, confession, restitution, and continued work with other, with other alcoholics. Do I believe that Bill Wilson wrote this book? Absolutely not. You can believe whatever you want. I will continue to believe that God wrote the book. Because Bill Wilson was 43 and a half years old, with three, was 43 years old with three and a half years of sobriety when it came out. I'm 62. I have 17 years of abstinence. I'm lucky I can knock out a coherent text message. This book and its contents is one of the greatest pieces of spiritual literature ever written. It was written for all the wrong reasons. It was written as a fundraiser. They wanted to start a series of hospitals, a chain of hospitals, and send out missionaries with the, with the message and write a book. Thank God the only thing they did was write a book. But what else was happening between 1935 and 1939 there were people coming in that were not Protestants. Clarence Snyder brings in two fellas that were Irish Catholic and Polish Catholic, and the cardinal wouldn't let them come to the Oxford group movement. Dr. Bob sneered at Clarence and said, well, they weren't such good Catholics when they were drinking. Now were they? And Clarence said, we've got to split off. We've got to stop being the drunk squad of the Oxford group. And eventually in Cleveland, the first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting was held. There was protest by the Oxford group movement that you guys are splitting off and you're going to ruin everything. And we know that that didn't happen. This was a divinely guided program 
and a divinely written book, in my opinion. That's in my opinion. And when we look at what happened, it says the flying blind period ended and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. That means there's no more argument. I go to the big book. And if the big book says apples, and I've been telling somebody oranges, then apples it is. Because it is the final authority, in my opinion. This is the greatest piece of unbelievable instruction ever written in my life. And without this book and its contents, not only would I have been dead, but I never, ever would have lived. I never would have sucked air out of the atmosphere in a situation where I was not eating, and as was mentioned before by Larry, doing so happily. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Paula D., you're up, followed by Nessa R. And good morning, and thank you for your service today. And this would be Paula D., currently in New Hampshire. You know, I want to, just, just for one moment, I know it was mentioned before, but I'm just going to back up just a bit to go forward. A new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. There had been light, but this was a new light, and it wasn't dark anymore. So then we see the sightless being giving sight. And it says here, and I'm going to go on here, and we can find this in our own life, it was now time. They could have tried before, and why didn't it work? Because it wasn't the right time. I don't, I don't debate anymore. I just read as it is, and I go beyond, beyond the words. At the present time, at that time, after this, after what? That's what Mr. Webster says, after what? After the light had entered the world. Now was time. Sight was given. Then it says, it goes on. The membership had then reached. They stretched. You know, it's not often comfortable to stretch. Oh, I wonder if somebody can identify with that. They reached. They stretched. And then there were about 100 men and women. Then the fledgling, and I love this, oh, beginning society, which had been nameless. Just going along without a name. Now a name given. And the right name and the proper name. From the title of its own book. But the book was more than a book. It was the people behind the book. It was the light in the darkness. And then it says here the flying blind period ended. Do you know what it is to fly blind? I know what it is to live blind. And yet I could see. But what I saw was from a different viewpoint. Once I realized there was a God, something happened within my life. I know my time is ending, but yet my time is just beginning. And this morning and this day, and it says here and it ends with, they entered. They came into, knock, knock, the door was opened. A new phase. A new phase. Each day, a new phase. So I think I'm very thankful for this book, for the words that are written, the people behind it, and so many stories behind it. I have my story and you have yours. And I thank God for that. You know, I never have to figure out where God is. The fish are always swimming in the ocean. 
we are always in God and God within us. And I thank you for this time again. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And Nessa R., you're up. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. It's Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. You know, when I read these pages, the, 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 the presses and all the forewords, you know, I can never I help but be amazed not only at the growth of the fellowship and the, um, its endurance, you know, which is credited to this book. Um, without this book, it would not have expanded as far and as wide and as fast as it did. But I think the most important things, the, the, the most important factor in, the, in this uh, endurance and growth is the fact that the instructions contained in this book work. They work. And not only the instructions for recovery, but the instructions for spreading the message, you know, um, intensive work, one alcoholic to another. Uh, you know, they didn't set up a, 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 a storefront. They didn't build the hospitals and hire the missionaries. It was just really one alcoholic working with another. And it just never ceased to amaze me because those programs come and go. I mean, some kind of endure, but um, for the most part, they, they come and go. And I, and I tried so many of them, uh, some of them even um, two or three times, you know, because initially they worked, but then, you know, then they stopped working and the weight came back on. And, and so I thought they worked the first time, I'm going to try them again. But the results were invariably the same, you know, some abstinence, some weight loss, uh, but eventually back in the food and back uh, with the weight gain. But not so with um, this this little chip of a book, as, as it's referred to uh, later on in the book. Um, you know, the instructions work and the, the, the way to disseminate the message also works. And I'm just so um, in awe every time I read these pages and I'm so grateful for these pages because it is the only thing that has worked for me. Diet did not work. Abstinence and the tools alone did not work. Uh, I had to use abstinence and the steps contained herein. And, uh, you know, God willing, um, because I'm living in 10, 11, and 12, my, my spiritual progress will grow and my abstinence and recovery will also endure just like this book and I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to share on this um, section before we move on? Okay. Well, I heard very little of that. So let me just um, say I heard some of it. Okay, please stop. Okay, I heard Leah. I heard uh, Kim G. Um, Monica T. Vasa O. Vasa O. Janice M. Melissa C. Janice M. Barbara B. Barbara D. Tyann D. Patty Andy. Okay, I think that's good. Um, okay, uh, it's Leah from New York, Kim G, Monica T, Vasa O, Melissa C, Janice M, Barbara D, and Patty Andy. Did I miss anyone? Okay, thank you. 
let's go ahead then, please, with Leah and Thank then Kim G. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Leah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so we are reading about um, how this program and all the works of Dr. Bob and Bill and Abby and so many others who have joined and how it's growing in leaps and bounds and is, the program is, expen- is expanding and and people are beginning to recover. And then they want to bring it to a different level, a different step. They want to go out and tell everybody. And it's very, very much like what I am going through with my program. This is 12-stepping. This is like every time I come or I, I, I meet a challenge in any area or whatever is going on in my life, and I'm able to come through with it by using the 10, 11, and 12, and just by keeping to the simple simple, uh, you know, um, basics of what I'm supposed to do, what I don't do. They come automatically. And it is so amazing that, yes, I too want to take it to another level. And yes, I want to go to different meetings and I want to do this and I want to do that. Not that I'm going out of my boundaries. It's just that that's what I see with this. This is what this paragraph is doing, is telling me Yes, continue to take it to step 12. And attraction, yes, just um, just keep doing what you're doing and spread what it is that is happening, the spiritual awakening most like, most of all, and, and how I connect. And, um, okay, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Kim G., you're up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Their message and unique, unique experience. What is that unique experience? Is it sobriety? Now, a lot of them had experienced sobriety. The unique experience was the spiritual experience, the spiritual awakening. We're going to see later in this forward what was the attraction was recovery and united families. You know, unfortunately, I, I, I think that this spiritual experience is now unique in 12-step programs. You know, the, the recovery rate in OA, you know, gosh, if I'm being optimistic, maybe 3%. Even in AA, the recovery rate has plummeted. I was listening to an AA speaker the, um, yesterday, and he was saying that he estimates there's about a 10% recovery rate in AA. And what happens is 10% of the fellowship is trying to sponsor the other 90%. And that's my experience, too. The few recovered people in my area, the few recovered people in this meeting, we're trying to sponsor the 90% of the people in the fellowship. But they're talking about this unique experience. And when I think of it, I think of page 17, and there is a solution when they talk about this cruise liner. You know, it says, the feeling of having shared in a common peril, which is the, the, um, the uh, sinking of the ship, um, is one element of the powerful cement which binds us, but that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is we've discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This 
is the great news this book carries to those from alcoholism. And my experience in, in many years in OA is the unique experience was we all got together and talked about how miserable it was to be a compulsive overeater. The common denominator was we shared this disease. And they're saying this unique experience which should bind us is the recovery. You know, and I remember sometime in the last five years there was a cruise ship, an Italian cruise ship that sank in the Mediterranean and it kind of flipped over. And a lot of people died. And I heard some interviews of people that survived. And they talked about this camaraderie they had to all try to survive. And the one guy talked about the beautiful staircase that was in the, in the front of the cruise ship. And when it tipped over, everyone was frozen in fear. But some of them looked at that staircase and said, wait a minute, we can use that as a ladder. And they started to climb up the ladder to escape. But there were many that were so terrified and frozen in fear and the problem of the ship sinking that they sat at the bottom and they all drowned. And unfortunately, I think that's an experience I see in OA. Many people are so frozen in fear and so into the, into the problem that they sit in OA for decades until the day that they die. What I hope is through this book, we can share the idea that there is a unique experience where we can escape from this horrible disease. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Next, Monica T., followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. It was now time the struggling groups thought to place their message and unique experience before the world. So what was their message? You know, their message was recovery from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. What hope for these real alcoholics, these gutter drunks who had lost everything, whose only hope was death, asylum, or jail? What a bleak, bleak, dark time. And they're coming now and they're saying to us, we have a unique experience. We have been shown a way out of this pit. We have a solution. It's called a higher power and steps to reach that, to get a relationship with that higher power. You know, when I came into OA, a, re, a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, I could really relate to that because I was. I was 100% hopeless. Spiritually, physically, mentally, you know, I'd spent decades trying to uh, manage my weight, trying to stop this crazy eating, you know, just crazy, crazier than hell. And, you know, every day I continued to do what I didn't want to do. And every day I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Totally hopeless and powerless. So here... They, we have a solution. There's a way out of here. You know, thank you, God. Thank you, God. The obsession has been lifted. You know, I just went on a 12-day cruise. I came back abstinent, and it wasn't about the food. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Monica. Okay, we have Vasa O followed by Melissa C. Vasa, please press star one. 
with Kate. Let's go on to Melissa C. And maybe Vasa will come back. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I think, like, about the message and unique experience. Um, you know, I love um, getting um, an education on the history. And, um, and it's just really powerful for me to kind of think about that and then apply it to myself, you know. Um, what's, what's my charge today? What's my message and um, unique experience? Because, um, you know, that's, that's my purpose today. Like, I, I've been given this incredible gift of recovery. Um, that means everything to me. And now I have a charge. I've got you know, an obligation to myself um, because I cannot keep it if I don't carry the message. But I, I really do believe that I have an obligation to other suffering compulsive overeaters. And, um, you know, and so I think, um, you know, my message is not um, carb-free living. You know, like I, I have a girlfriend who's always like, oh, you're still not eating carbs, you know. And and she really wants to talk about that as my message, and um, that's not my message. You know, that might be part of my food plan, but my message is not a food plan. You know, and um, the same girlfriend had said to me, "Oh, I'm gonna like pick your brain after New Year." You know, after New Year's, um, and my unique, you know, experience, my message that I was able to share with her was, um, what I have, there's no guarantee that come New Year's. I'm going to be any more able to put it down than Christmas Day. You know, that's um, – and and so um, I think I have to be really careful for me, you know, how am I going to apply this to my life, in not talking food too much um, with the people in my life and around me because they all want to identify that as my big message. And um, – and that's not it. That's like the first thing. We all know, put the food down. And then I had to work a step of recovery. I had to um, have a complete, you know, transformation, rearrangement of who I was internally so that I could, you know, adhere to these nutritional guidelines. We all know them. You know, like that's not the message. And I think that's probably some of the difficulty that OA faces is that, we fall into this diet mentality um, where people really want to talk about food. And I think the difference, um, at least in my life, with people, with, they understand alcohol. They believe that it's an addiction. They know you have to leave it alone entirely. It seems like the world kind of gets that. And I don't get that, that the world kind of gets that with food. All I hear is moderation and, um, and a good diet. And so I know myself, um, my charge is to carry this, this, this message. That's my unique experience, that I've had freedom from the food, and, um, and it's not as a result of a diet. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Vasa, are you back with us? I am back. I'm sorry. My phone died, so I had to redial. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so Go much ahead, for please. your service. And then it'll be um, Janice M. And thank you, Katie, for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive, Ovita, calling from Florida. And uh, 
how exciting must have been for this uh, all men, hundreds of men and women to see AA grow and to put the, the alcohol down and to see their lives getting better as they were going along. And they wanted to pass it on to others. And how excited it was for me to find this program and to find the solution to my, my, for my food addiction. I mean, when I came to Vision for You a few years back, maybe three years ago, there were only 200 people, and now it's like 3,000 people. And I remember feeling so intimidated talking on the phone. 200 people, oh, my God. Thank God I was not in front of all of you people because I had a fear. I do have a fear of big crowds. But God can use us in so many different ways, and I'm glad God is using me like this. And I can share in smaller groups, and I can be in a bigger groups now today. Uh, so, and I thank God for inspiring all these men to write this book. It was, uh, and I'm glad that to found, find that I was not a religious program. It was a spiritual program, and I probably would have run out if they if they said it was a religious program. And I was glad it was not in a church. It was in in somebody somewhere, maybe office building or something. And then later on, I started feeling more comfortable going in church basements. So um, I'm just so grateful that my life has gotten better over the years by following the directions, the recipe that's laid out in this book. And I was also hopeless when I came in this program. I'd struggled with a food addiction for many, many years. I never thought. I thought I was just going to die and miserable, you know. And I thank God somebody carried the message to me, and uh, I found the solution and uh, and the steps and carrying the message, you know, step, uh, you know, saying step ten, eleven, and twelve. What a gift! Some I have received. And uh, I can give it out there for, you know, pass it on for people that want it, that want to work the program. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And Janice M., you're up, followed by Barbara D. Well, thank you, KDF, and good morning. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, it was now time the struggling groups thought how unselfish of this group and how divinely inspired they were, thought, thought. That has to come from somewhere. And, um, you know, (laughs) that's how I know and I agree that this book is divinely inspired, that they thought to place it in a book because the other methods didn't work. I mean, they didn't have the money to build the hospitals, like was said, and the missionaries. And they thought to place it in a book for you and I. What a new world, the new world was opened to me, to them, as I opened this book. And it was, it's, you know, the other, other methods didn't work, other messages did not work. And their message, that worked because they were all, the first hundred men and women were unified. What were they unified on? Was it on, on what type of booze to drink? How, how to just to put it down? No, they were unified on the message that through these steps, they had a spiritual awakening as a result. 
and they had a personality change, a psychic change, and they got recovered one day at a time. And like it was said, families reunited. That was the attraction, the unification, the unique, the uniqueness of this message for the publication of this volume. Thank you, God. And I, and I mean that sincerely, that this had to be divinely inspired. And, you know, it's just interesting. Before they named the book Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, they were a new, new society who wanted to do this, who wanted to name it this. And it's interesting just to note that they wanted to, to, to be named. The first name was The Way Out. Another name was to be, well, 100 Men and Women. Another name was The Bill W. Movement. And then came Alcoholics Anonymous. So the book is named exactly like the fellowship. So uh, it, it's just amazing um, how, how this new phase, you know, when we grow, we start with infancy. And then we go to early childhood. And then we go to, you know, young adults. And this was the beginning the new, of the new phase of society what a miracle thank you thank you to our pioneers and with that i passed thanks thank you janice okay barbara d you're up followed by patty andy barbara d star one to unmute thank you this is barbara b Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, thank you. As I'm experiencing these paragraphs this morning and doing as we're encouraged to do, looking at what the directions in the big book mean to me, the path that it's taking me on is looking at the growth of AA and its evolution and looking at my own growth and the growth of groups and intergroups and the society of OA as a whole. Um, And it takes me this morning back to the educational variety of which I am uh, described in the spiritual experience in the appendix of the book because it validates the fact that I need not be impatient with my own evolution, my own growth, or someone else's or a group's experience because this society entered a new phase and just as I continually enter new phases and others do too it's it's time and nothing in God's time is wasted as it says in the book nothing in God's economy is wasted and so much of my own experience is based on the fact that I learn what to do based on what I learned what not to do so it's just um, bringing up for me this morning a lot of patience with um the growing cycle, and it, it took me to flipping back to the spiritual experience in, in the back of the book and looking at the wonderful slow growth that is very often what's described, nothing with a lightning bolt. It's, as it says, the experience shows itself in different forms. Uh, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Uh, Patty and you're up. I think that that's uh, me, Diane D, unless there is a Patty Ann. I heard a Patty Ann. I don't think that would be mixed up with Diane D. Maybe. Go ahead, Diane, and if Patty Ann 
comes back. Okay. Okay, uh, thank you. I hear so much that so many are recovered. Maybe there are people on the line that are like me. I have just completed flying by, blind. It has not been any fun. But I think of what's missing and nobody is holding tight on your hand to help you through the difficult times. It, you go to some meeting somewhere and in the hour it's done and most of them don't even know your name, much less want to hold your hand. And I think that that is very important. And another thing is that Spiritually, I have had a higher power uh, lifelong, and yet that is not enough. I was embarrassed to think of that, yet here I have heard ministers uh, speak, and I say, well, that is not enough. And it's a commitment here, and I'm ready for the challenge. And I want to thank everybody for uh all of your service, and for helping me through this book. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you. Um, well, we have time for two more shares, um, unless no one wants to share. Reva P. Okay, Reva P. Amanda R. And Amanda R. Okay, and Anita, if you could um, wait to the second hour, if that's okay. No problem, sure. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Reva P. Good morning, it's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, I agree and uh, relate to everything everybody has shared, but I just wanted to add this phrase, it was now time is striking me this morning and that just reminds me that now is the time to um, listen to the message and the unique experience that is shared with me. And you know that applies whether I am in recovery um, because I only have a daily reprieve and now is the time. Today is another day and I have to do exactly what I did that worked yesterday if I want to have the same kind of experience today. and whether I'm in recovery or if I'm in the food, you know, um, I've heard it said we don't have to keep digging and digging to keep going lower and lower so I can stop the craziness um, anytime. As soon as I stop and pause, and right now is as good a time as any um, to do the work. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it's, I can't explain it in words, but it's just really striking me um, that ability to pause and how do I know when it's the right time to do anything, to go anywhere, I ask. And that's what this unique message and experience is. It's about accessing a power by working the steps. And by having that power and that access, um, I know what to do now because I can ask and get direction and guidance and I never could do that. And this is so beyond just putting the food down. Um, it is quite miraculous. Um, and we are the message. Um, it's not just about 
how I look in my body, but how we live and what my relationships are like and how I go about my work. That is the unique message that it goes way beyond um, food and body size. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva. Okay, Amanda R., you're up. Good morning. This is Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maine. And um, I I like that phrase, the flying blind period. Um, It's... My dad is a pilot, and he's been got a bunch of different ratings for different planes, and he's a flight instructor. And he explained this thing to me, which always kind of fascinated me. That you know, when you're you're up, it, it's you're flying. You're either you're in fog, you're in clouds, it's dark, all of the above, none of the above. It's raining, whatever, and you're you can't see anything outside the plane. Uh, you're just flying by using the instruments, on, you know, on the dashboard in front of you, to telling you about, you know, your altitude and the conditions of the plane and the weather and where you are and all that. You really, he said, uh, it takes a lot of faith to trust those instruments when you're flying blind. And he, he explained to me this thing that happens to a lot of newer pilots where um, they they just they they get this feeling this hunch inside them that those instruments they they can't be right they 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 can't be the truth um and they they trust their gut instead of the instruments and they end up oftentimes flying straight into the ground and um for me you know that this is my question like me working the program here Am I going to trust my instruments, my instruments being this book which shows me the way to open, stay open to my higher power and live the way my higher power would have me live? I really, you know, even when it feels wrong to me, even when, you know, I, geez, you know, I, I'd really like to, you know, just go to bed instead of doing a 10-step, like something's bugging me. I just want to go hide on the couch underneath a big blanket and, and just sort of soothe myself, make myself feel better. And it's the thing is, uh, it kind of works for about five minutes, but the problem doesn't go away. It gets worse. What I really need to do is look at my instruments and recognize that I don't always know what's best for me, that I really need to do a 10-step because that's what the directions are telling me to do, to turn out from my own feelings of self-pity and discouragement and you know just to to trust the process even when I really really honestly would like to do something else um so that I you know I don't trust my own judgment to the point where I fly straight into the ground that um thank goodness I I have this this program and the encouragement of everyone else out there flying blind um, but doing a, a wonderful job of it, and I pass. Thank you so much, Amanda R. Well, that takes us to the end of our meeting this morning. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will... Uh, Deanna B., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
Thank you. Uh, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.